What is going on, 9 a.m.? How are you guys doing this morning? You guys doing well? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. Can we go ahead and give it up for all of our family that's watching with us online here this morning? Come on, let's give it up for them. Let's not give them a golf clap. Let's give them like the real deal. Man, we're so glad that you're joining us. We miss seeing you guys. We're beginning a brand new series here today. And uh, my wife told me I have to put a disclaimer out there for you. If you have young children in here, uh, this service and this series is rated PG-13. This is adult content and uh, middle and high school content. I know some of you think your middle and high school kids don't know anything. They've never heard about sex. They've heard it all. They've watched TV. It's everywhere. Uh, but if you have some younger kids in here and you don't want them to ask you some interesting questions, later on. And same thing with you that are online. If you got some kids in the room and you don't want to talk about sex in like 30 minutes with them, you might want to put them in a different room or watch Coastal Kids online in a different place for them as well. But we are beginning a brand new series today called The Best Ever. And this series is all about relationships. And I want you to know that, that this series is for everyone. If you are single out there, I want you to know that this series is for you. If you're married, I want you to know that this this series is for you. If you're uh, unhappily married, I want you to know that this series is for you. If you're happily married, I want you to know that this series is for you. If you're divorced, I want you to know that this series is for you. If you're widowed, I want you to know that this series is for you. If you just don't know why you're here, I want you to know this series is for you. And what I'm going to do is, is I, and what I'm going to ask you to do is I want you to show up every week and I'm going to ask you to show up every week and lean in, take notes. And I promise you, we're going to give you some things out of God's word. They're going to help you move forward in whatever your relationship status is here today. And, and, and single people, uh, I, I'm here to help you. And so I want to give you this to start off right off the bat, single people. Uh, normally I would ask where you are so you can self-identify and look around and find the other single people that are your potential mates. Best place to do that. We'll do that a different week though. So you're off the hook today. Single people, the best time to invest in your future marriage is before you get married. Seriously, the best time for you to invest in your future marriage is right now. And so like, you're gonna go through this series, you're gonna be taking notes and you're gonna go, well, that doesn't really apply to me. And the key word is yet. It will one day, so why don't you learn the truths now, start applying them in your life so that when you do get married, you're ready to roll into that relationship, a healthy and whole person. And I don't wanna leave the married people out, so married people, the best time to make your marriage healthy is right now. The best time to make it healthy is right here, right now. So it's not, I'm gonna wait until this happens or when they change this or when they do that. No, no, no. We are gonna make some fundamental lifestyle changes right now so that we can have the healthiest marriages and the healthiest relationship possible. And so today what I wanna do is I wanna set and lay the foundation and I think we're gonna have fun. It's gonna be a, a really awesome. And today I wanna talk about some myths of marriage because uh, the idea of relationships has been floated out there forever and we are all learning about relationships from different spaces and places and people. Some of us have learned relationships based on watching our parents and maybe that was good, maybe that was bad. Maybe we have a mentor or somebody that, that we want to emulate in life that has a healthy relationship and we've learned from them. Others of us, we, we have learned it from movies, we've learned it from TV, we've learned it from Hollywood out there. And honestly, 
And I'm just gonna be vulnerable. Like some of the models for relationships out there are some of the most crazy wax stories I've ever seen in my life. Like let's keep up with the Kardashians, why? And none of them kept a marriage. But we wanna keep up with them. And yet we're, oh, somebody's like, oh, you did not go on the, the kings and queens of, of whatever station they're on. Yes, I did. Because they're not the model, but yet we make them the model in life. And if we were to look at some of the crazy stories that are being fed to us and, and brought to us, we'd go, why in the world would we ever look at them and go, that's what I want in life, why? There's dysfunction, there's hurt, there's pain, there's brokenness, and there's such a better way. But yet we look at so many of these stories and we go, oh my gosh, that's what true love is. But if you really think about the stories that we're fed, it is crazy love. It's not true love. It is crazy, like crazy, crazy. In fact, I, I just want to show you what, what Hollywood has been telling us for so long. Classic, classic love story written by a guy named Shakespeare that we have taken and done over and over again, Romeo and Juliet. How many of y'all have heard of Romeo and Juliet? This is Romeo and Juliet back in my day, uh, right here when I was growing up. We, we had Romeo and Juliet. Romeo is a lovesick teenager, and he falls in love instantly with Juliet, who is a younger teenager. And uh, the story goes that, that she is due to marry this person that her father has decided, and they decide to do what is smart, and they marry in secret on the next day, like the day after they met. Come on, how many of you know that's not a good idea? Not a good idea. But Romeo gets banished because he kills Juliet's cousin. And because of that, they want to uh, reunite. And so, and in order to do that, Juliet fakes her death, but the message fails to get to Romeo. And Romeo goes to Juliet's tomb knowing that she has died and kills himself. Minutes later, Juliet wakes up to find Romeo dead and kills herself. This is the classic love story we're to model our life after. And I'll just say this, Romeo and Juliet is not a love story, but a five-day infatuation between teenagers that ends with six people killed. That's what Romeo and Juliet is. Not a great story, but if there's anything that I can teach you that is, that is out of this story is that good communication is key to a healthy relationship. Come on, can we get an amen right there? If there's something like redeemable out of this, Romeo was not aware that Juliet was taking her life. Ladies, he can't read your mind, okay? Right there. Oh, I know that was dirty. <laughs> and in turn, he takes his own light, and a few minutes later, she follows suit. But if there had been better communication, you know that they would have lived happily ever after, right? That would have been like perfect. Okay, Here, here's another one. Uh, Beauty and the Beast. Come on, now I'm, I'm, I'm jumping into the Disney realm. I know Disney Plus is like where it's at right now, but this is the classic Disney love story. A man is cursed and he's turned into an animal. He has no interaction with humans for years. And one day a, a girl stumbles into his castle looking for her father. They fall in love and are married happily ever after, right? That's the story. That's the story. But if I was a father with girls, Here's what I would say is I would say, hey, girls, before we watch this, there are a few rules that you need to learn from this story. Rule number one, if he tries to kill your father, don't date him. 
If he locks you up in a cell in a castle, don't date him. If he is an animal, don't date him. I mean, just, just common, common sense, some things we can take away. But the ultimate like, kind of love story that, that shaped my generation uh, was the love story on Titanic. Rose and Jack, I mean, Rose and Jack shaped an entire generation of what love looks like. But if we really look closer at this story, it's a crazy story. And we're learning lessons on relationships from these people. Now think about this. Rose is on a cruise with her fiance, red flag number one. She is so miserable that she is on the edge of the ship about to take her life when all of a sudden Jack appears. Probably not the best time to start a relationship when somebody is about to kill themselves. They probably need some, some counseling or they need some help. They probably don't need a date right then, but <laughs> another red flag. So they have this fling for a couple of days until a ship, the ship collides with an iceberg. And Rose, instead of giving on, getting on the lifeboat that would save her life, decides, I'm going to stay on the ship and go find this true love that I've just found. They go down together with the ship. And while they're in the water, because Jack is such a selfless person, he allows Rose to get on the piece of wood to save her life. Now, this lady is crazy for a lot of reasons. She leaves her fiance. Uh, she doesn't get on the lifeboat. And if you look at this picture right here, there was room for Jack. There it is. So much space. Selfish right there. Here is the lesson that we can learn from this. If she'll drop her fiance that quick for you, she'll leave you cold and dead in the water too. Come on, life lessons from movies. Right there, come on, that's better, I, I deserve better than that. That's a life lesson right there. <laughs> so what does all this mean? It means we've been trained up in relationships wrong. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12, it says, there is a way that appears right. And the way that appears right is whatever feels good, whatever makes you happy, that must be the right thing. Because that's what our culture, that's what society, that's what every movie, that's what every song, that's what every TV show is saying is, is whatever feels good, whatever makes you happy, that is the way that appears to be right. But the Bible continues on and says, but in the end, it actually leads to death. So I want to help you overcome some of these common marriage myths. And I've got a few for you today that I think are pretty huge, and they're the ones that I hear over and over and over again as a pastor. Marriage myth number one, if you're taking notes. Marriage will make me fulfilled. I'm telling you, if I just got married, it is gonna make me so happy and so fulfilled. And we think, we think we're like in a Disney movie. A whole new world. A dazzling place I've never been. No, 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 no. You just went on your honeymoon and two weeks vacation. Now you're back at home and that person still can't balance the checkbook, can they? Why? Because you gave someone your heart that you wouldn't trust with your credit card. And now you've got problems because we bought into the Disney lie and here's the storyline. You are lonely, you are miserable, nothing is going right and then poof, that person appears. Everything changes, it's light, it's rainbows and butterflies and we're just gonna sail off into the sunset because life just now becomes perfect. That is not real life. And here's a lie that we have bought into is, is this, is I will be happy when, and you just fill in the blank. 
Like, I'll be happy when, and this is how it plays out in real life. I'll be happy when uh, I, I have a boyfriend or I have a girlfriend. I'll be happy when I'm engaged to that person. I'll be happy when we get married. I'll be happy when we have kids. I'll be happy when we have more kids. I'll be happy when the kids leave the house. I'll be happy when the kids get married. I'll be happy when the kids start having kids. And it just goes on and on and on. And it's not just a marriage thing. This is a life thing. This is a financial thing. I'll be happy when I get that promotion at work. I'll be happy when I'm making this amount of money. It's, it's a physicality thing. I'll be happy when I weigh this much or when I look this way. And it's a lie that we've been taught for years and years and years. I'll be happy when, and we think that when I get married, then I'll be fulfilled. But the Bible says something very different. First Timothy chapter six, verse six, it says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. So you wanna be fulfilled in life? You gotta realize that your Contentment is not gonna come from some person, it's gonna come from the creator of the universe. There is not a person that is out there that can fulfill the void that is in your life that God created that only he can fulfill in your life. God does something inside of you is where true contentment comes from. It's not what can somebody else do to please you, it's not what somebody else can do to make you happy. I mean, if you think about this, we are crazy. We're broken, we're jacked up, we're, and we think, you know what, I'm broken and I'm jacked up, and if I go find somebody else that's broken and jacked up, and we put ourselves together, then we'll be a whole person. No, you'll just be an exceptionally dysfunctional person. Why, because two broken things do not make a whole thing. So here's a better path, especially if you're a single person in there. Instead of trying to find your completeness in somebody else, why don't you go and find your completeness in the creator and maker of the universe who made you and wants to sustain you and give you purpose, identity, life like you've never experienced. And when you discover that for yourself, you go find somebody else that has discovered that for themselves. And then you have two whole people coming together. And that is what a biblical marriage looks like. Those people are unstoppable when it comes to their relationship. So where does true, true fulfillment come from? Here's the fact. True fulfillment comes from serving God and serving people. You want to know where true fulfillment comes from? That's where it's going to come from. So many people are trying to find this in marriage, and you cannot find it there. Because the point of life is not sex, it's serving. And if you learn how to serve God and serve people, that is where you'll be fulfilled. Like Shayla and I, we have literally known each other since we were 11 years old. 11 years old, I, I was in, infatuated with her when we were kids. I would say I would love her, but that wasn't what it is. I was lusting after her. I was infatuated with her. And I remember at 16, I finally asked her out on a date. And, and I gained back in the day, like a lot of game. I took, her, I took her to Chili's for dinner. And 25 years ago, Chili's was a big deal, okay? I know Chili's is not a cool place today. 25 years ago, Chili's was the jam, okay? Not only did we go to Chili's for dinner, but then we went and saw a movie together. It was the opening night of this classic love story called Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> Unbelievable. 
I wined and dined her. I brought her home at an appropriate time because I want to respect her family and her parents' wishes. It's a good guy right there. You're just going to brush it off right there. I got some game. We dated for a little bit, but you know what? We are broken people. And we ended up breaking up. And we did not talk to each other for almost four years. You know what happened during those four years when we were broken? Is that during those four years, you know what happened to us? We found our relationship with God individually. And I ended up in Texas serving in a ministry and I was traveling all over the country, fulfilling my purpose and serving other people through these big, large youth events. And, and just was, I, I was living out the God dream that was inside of my life, completely content and completely fulfilled because I was serving God and I was serving people with my life. And at the same time, Shayla had an encounter with God as well. And she started serving God and serving people in her local church. She was leading the young adults in her church. And it was during that time that we were completely content in and of ourselves with our lives because we had an unbelievable relationship with God. And then we got together, and you know what? We're still content because we're still serving God and still serving people. Nothing has changed in that because we know that is where true contentment comes from because serving God and serving people is where that fulfillment is gonna be. And so when you do get married, you, you understand that it's not gonna be from what can they do for me, but how can I serve her and how can I help her? Like that's where it's gonna come from. That's why Ephesians says it like this. In Ephesians chapter five, which is the most famous verse on marriage and relationships, it says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is what marriage is all about. How can we serve one another. How can we serve the other person more than they're serving me? If there's any competition in marriage, it's this, is how can I outserve my spouse? Like, how can I get to the back of the line first so I can lift them up, so I can exalt them, so I can make a difference in their lives? And it's not, fulfillment isn't what Shayla can do for me. It's how can I serve her and when I serve her and I serve God, that's where you'll find fulfillment. Marriage myth number two, marriage is just not worth it. I hear this all the time, that it's like so much work. I mean, there's all this legalities that are put with it. And it's just easier to do life the way that I'm doing it. It's easier to hook up with people and do life my way. And, and I hear all the time that like marriage just isn't working. And I, I look at the stats and people are shying away from marriage today. They're avoiding it like the plague. In fact, in 1930, 83% of Americans, adults, were married. Go to 2020. 90 years later, 49% of American adults are married. Why? Because I believe people are avoiding marriage because they have no clue what marriage really means. And marriage is worth doing and marriage is worth fighting for. And let me just tell you some of the benefits of marriage. These are the things that I've discovered over my 20 plus years of being married. One of the benefits of marriage is marriage helps sanctify us. Now, that's a big Christian word. And, and so there's two words in, in, in our faith that are really, really important. One of them is justification or to be justified. That's what happened when Christ died on the cross. We, we became in right standing with God. Sanctification is the process of making us pure and holy. Uh, justification happens instantaneously when we accept Christ. Sanctification is a process. 
And your marriage is actually there to help you get sanctified. Because when I got married, and I'm sure some of you, when you got married, you didn't realize that there were some things that you did that were just weird. Like when I got married to Shayla, I found out that there were some things that I did that were just weird. When, when she got married to me, she found out there were some things that she did that were just weird. And they, they had to be like kind of adjusted in life. I remember one of the weird things that I learned about Shayla is when we got married, is that when, whenever Shayla decides that she's going to change clothes, wherever she changes clothes at, that's where those clothes just stay. Like they don't go in hampers. So if she, if she changes by her bed, there's a pile of clothes there. If she changes in the bathroom, there's a pile of clothes there. And I, I have to constantly remind her, and I'm trying to help sanctify her, that there is a place where your clothes go. They don't just go wherever you feel like. Like This is a process of helping her learn that there is a hamper, and you put things in there so that the bedroom is clean, the bathroom is clean, so that I'm not tripping over things in the middle of the night. It's a dangerous place in our house. It's like Shayla clothes landmines everywhere. And then Shayla, Shayla had to sanctify me about washing clothes. I, I didn't realize that, that you, you wash clothes in a certain way. I thought you just take all of your clothes, you throw them in a washing machine, and it washes them. And she, she informed me that that is not how you wash clothes. You actually have to separate clothes. Like you put whites and colors and, and darks and these things. And then if there's stains on things, you have to pre-treat them. I thought that's why we bought a washer so it washes that stuff away. No, no. She, she informed me that there are some things that you have got to do in order to do that. And she was, what she was doing is she was, she was sanctifying that part. And, and I found all that stuff out. And here's what happens when you get married is that is you get into this guy. God-fearing and God-honoring relationship in this God-centered marriage, you get together and you realize the things that bother you about the other person is the way the Lord is trying to work those things out of your life. Like, so all those things that, that are frustrating to me, God is trying to work some things out of my life that I have maybe not recognized or realized. And I realize that you just think, well, God just wants to make me happy. Man, God wants you happy. God wants you blessed. But ultimately what God wants is he wants you holy. And some of us have forgotten that. No, 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 he just wants me happy. No, no, no. Ultimately, he wants you holy. His primary desire is he puts you in this marriage. He puts you in this place, but he wants to change some of the ways that you talk. He wants to adjust some of your actions in life. He wants you to develop some of the fruits of the spirit. And the way that he's going to do that is putting you with a person that sometimes drives you crazy in some areas to reflect some aspects of your life that need to be refined and defined and sanctified so that you're looking more and more like his son. And he doesn't, he doesn't just make it easy peasy. He actually, there's some friction there. Somebody likes that friction. But the friction is what rubs off those sharp edges that are in your life. The friction is, is what is shaping you to become more and more like his son, Jesus. And that is the purpose of marriage. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy by cleansing her with, by washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. It's the example that God gives us, and it isn't just to celebrate us, but God wants to transform us. 
And a lot of us, we get into our relationships, we're trying to change the other person when God is actually trying to use that person to change you. And if we'll allow that to be a work in our lives, all of a sudden we'll be look and reflect more like his son, Jesus, together. Another benefit of marriage is marriage offers sex without shame. Has to be talking about somewhere, so I figured why not to start the first week because our culture and, and our lives are bombarded by sex. It's in our music we listen to, it's in the movies we watch, it's in the TV shows that we see, it's on the websites, it is everywhere. And do you know that God, God's word has a ton to say about sex? But yet for so long the church has been silent on it and the world has taken this thing that God created to be beautiful and it's taken it and it's made it its domain. And here's the thing about the world, anytime the world perverts something, it turns it into sin and takes something that should be pleasurable and leaves you broken, busted and disgusted. And that's exactly what it is because everybody thinks, and, and here's the truth, sin is always fun for a season. I'm not going to lie. Sin is always fun. If, if sin is not fun, you're not doing it right. <laughs> Just letting you know that. It's fun for a season, but it's always attached with shame when it's done outside of God's purpose in marriage. And when it's done outside of God's purpose in marriage, there's always harm, there's always hurt, there's always pain that ends up in your life. And I know somebody out there is going, well, there's no shame here. You know, like, I, there, it's no big deal for me. Like, I, 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 I'm protected. I hear people say all the time, I, I use protection. Listen, there is not a condom big enough to protect your heart from the pain that is going to be inflicted on it spiritually and emotionally every time you break this context that God set up of the sanctity of marriage when it comes to sex. And you've got to guard yourself in such a way that you are protecting your heart because out of your heart springs your entire life. And I'm not trying to put shame on you here because there is a solution that God gives. And here's the solution. You get married and married people should have the best sex on the planet. I'm just telling you, if you're not, you're doing it wrong. Genesis 2.24, this is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Why? Because it's a benefit of marriage, and it's something we should embrace and enjoy. Another, uh, uh, another benefit of marriage is marriage models God's sacrificial love for people. People say all the time, why do, you, why do you get married? What's the point of marriage? I'll tell you the point of marriage. Marriage is the best picture on the planet of God's love for humanity. It's the best picture. I'll show you. Ephesians 5, 31. It says this, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. But I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Do you see the connection there? It says when you look at how God connects with the church, you should be able to look at a husband and how he loves his wife, and you should be able to look at a wife and how she respects her husband, and it should be the greatest picture of what Christ's example is here on this earth. So I'll give you an example. If I, was, if I was out and I was with a buddy who didn't know Christ and he said to me, hey, TJ, give me the best, I'm having a hard time kind of grasping God's love for me. Like, I don't really understand it. Can you give me a, a visual image here on earth? I should be able to say to that guy, hey, have you ever looked at how I, I, I love my wife? 
Have you looked at how I always am honoring her, how I put her first, how I'm looking to serve her in so many ways and how I, I never demean her, but I'm constantly building her up in life. I'm sacrificial towards her. Like I will give up my wants and desires for hers. And, and, and if you were to look at that, that should be the picture of God's love for us. Now here's the question. If you said that to your lost friend, would they wanna know God? Or is it that you demean your spouse? Is it that you put them down? Is it that you're selfish and, 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 and you don't show any love towards them at all? They'd go, no, 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 that's not the example. God's example is sacrificial. And we've got, to, we've got to give this world a greater example through our marriages so that they can see the love of Christ. Now, ladies, it, it, same is true of you. If, if somebody came up to you, one of your friends came up to you and said, hey, man, I'm really struggling with how I communicate with God. Like, how do I pray? You should be able to say like, hey, you want to know how you talk to God? It's the same way that I talk to my husband. Have you noticed that uh, when we have conversations, we're, we're very forthright and forthcoming, but in a loving way. We don't demean one another, but we're always encouraging and building one another up. We're very honest and transparent that, that, that we're constantly in this place where there is open communication. I don't speak down of him or I don't speak ill of him. And if you were to just talk to God like that, that's exactly how, like the way that I'm talking to my, my husband, then you would have a fantastic relationship with God. And here's the thing, Coastal, our marriages should be the greatest witness to a lost and dying world of how we sacrificially love each other and love God. Marriage myth number three, marriage is only a piece of paper. It's just a piece of paper, it doesn't matter. I mean, it, 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 wrong. Marriage is so much more than just a piece of paper because if it's just a piece of paper, so many people think it's just a piece of paper, but here's the thing. If marriage is just a piece of paper, here's what you can do. Right, you just, you just throw it away and you just, you just pick up another one because it's, it's just a piece of paper, but marriage is so much more than just a piece of paper. Let me remind you that here's the fact that marriage takes the relationship beyond a contract and into a covenant. It's a covenant relationship. See, contracts are if-thens. If you do this, then I'll do this. If you make me happy, then I'll make you happy. If you serve me, then I'll serve you. If this, then that, that's a contract. And you know how we treat contracts? We treat it like the Apple terms and conditions when we're getting on our phone, right? We, like, we just wanna scroll down to the bottom, hit yes, so we can get on to play the games on our phone. Like I just wanna have fun with the device. I just wanna get to all the benefits, but I don't have any idea what I'm actually committing myself to. And here's what happens. Every two years, what do we do? We, or one year for some of you, we go get a new phone, right? Because this was just a contract. But a covenant is so different. God didn't design marriage to be a contract. Because if it would be, it'd be like, hey, if you please me, then I'll save you. Hey, if you do this, then I'll take care of you. No, 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 God establish it as a covenant and we have cheapened this thing called marriage way too much. 
See, it's not a piece of paper. In fact, in contracts, here's what we do. We protect our rights and we limit our responsibilities. Isn't that what we do in a contract? It's all about me, myself, and I. Like, how am I going to make sure I get mine and all of my needs and wants and desires are met? Well, they didn't do this. They didn't show up. They didn't play their part. They didn't initiate date night. They didn't ask how my day was. That's not what a marriage is. See, marriage is a covenant. In a covenant, we give up our rights and we pick up our responsibilities. It's a big difference between those two. Let me just tell you, I, I've given up my rights and I pick up my responsibilities. Shayla does not exist to make me happy. Like, she just doesn't. It's not her goal in life. It's not her desire. Maybe it's her desire. I don't know. But I've given up my right to demand that, to declare that. Why? Because I have a responsibility that I've committed myself to. Because my happiness is not based on what somebody else does for me. I am fulfilled in who God has created and made me to be. And I don't need somebody else to fulfill that for me. I'm responsible for investing in my marriage. And I'll do whatever I can to have a healthy and a whole marriage because we made a covenant together. I, I tell people all the time, if Shayla leaves, it doesn't matter because I'm going with her because we're in covenant. Doesn't matter where she goes, she'll find this bald, good-looking joker right behind her. Because we're in covenant. And this is a godly marriage. You want to know why? Because it's the same kind of relationship God created with us. Think about it. It wasn't if you act right. It wasn't if you do right. It wasn't if you give enough money. It wasn't if you attend church every single Sunday. God said, no, no, no. Here's how much I love you. I'm going to give it all on the cross. I'm going to forgive it all on the cross. Like, I'm going to unconditionally, sacrificially take the step before you ever decide to take a step. Why? Because I am in covenant with you. And when you accept Christ, like, you experience all the benefits of that. And we are in covenant with God. You know, the last series we were in, The Power of One, I started it with a story of the first miracle of Jesus. It was, a, it was a story of the wedding at Cana. And Jesus did the most bizarre miracle ever there. He drinks water and turns it into wine. And, and out of all the miracles that Jesus could have started with, like I could have thought of so many better miracles to start with, like, like raise somebody from the dead. That would have been a good miracle to start with. Healings, or somebody that's blind, helping them to see, that would have been a cool miracle. Uh, you know, somebody that had leprosy, healing them of leprosy and making them whole and restored, like healing a sick kid, like those would have been something big in my mind. But Jesus set the precedent here. And, and I think it's interesting that his miracles would start in the midst of a marriage. In the midst of a marriage where it all seemed lost, where there was lack, Jesus walked in and said, no matter what is lacking in this marriage, I can bring fulfillment. He walked in and said, no matter what is broken, I can bring healing. No matter what seems missing, I can be the piece that fits the puzzle. 
And I don't know what you're going through here today. I don't know how broke, busted, or disgusted you are in your relationship status, in your marriage, in your singleness, in your brokenness, in your divorce. Here's what I know is that Jesus wants to do a miracle in the midst of it. Because God is a restorer. God is a healer. And God started in the very beginning making the two one. He wants to continue to do the miracle in your life here today. Would you guys bow your heads and pray with me? God, we thank you that you are a miracle-working God, that in the midst of the most difficult and hardest places, God, that you show up and you do what only you can do. And here's what I know is there are some people that are here today that they've never experienced the greatest miracle that you could give, and that is the miracle of eternal life. That is a miracle of a covenant relationship with you where maybe you're here today and you've never experienced God's grace, God's mercy, God's love, and and you walked in here today and you're like, man, I, I need that in my life. I need to have that kind of covenant with God, like He, the covenant he wants us to have with our spouse, that we would love and serve them, that there is a God that loved and served me so much. He loved me so much that he sent his one and only son, And then he served me so much by giving up his life as a ransom on the cross so that I can have eternity with him. And I can be reunited with him. And maybe you're here and you've never made that commitment before or you made that commitment a long time ago and you walked away and you say, you know what, I need to come back into that relationship with every head bowed and every eye closed. If that's you on the count of three, if you just slip your hand up, I would love to pray with you. One, two, three, go ahead and slip it up. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. One. Yes, two, three. Thank you. I see you back there. Anybody else? You guys can put your hands down. Thank you so much. If you'll just pray this prayer in your heart as I pray it out loud, say, God, thank you so much for your love for me and your service to me that you would send your one and only son to come to this earth and live a perfect life, to take care of my sin and my shame and my pain. Thank you for dying on the cross, eradicating that, and defeating death in the grave so that I could experience life and life more abundantly. God, come into my heart. Come into my life. Take over. Rule and reign inside of me. God, today I make a covenant with you that you are not only my Savior, but you are my Lord, and I will serve you and follow you all the days of my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.